from the Multiply family of churches, we are Behind Open Doors, a podcast designed to take you behind the scenes, discovering what it takes to multiply disciples, leaders, and new churches. We're located in the U.S., the Hampton Roads region of Virginia. Visit us at multiplythechurch.com. My name is Aaron Denini, Executive Director of the Multiply Family of Churches, and I'm joined by my friend and co-laborer once again, John Slinker, Director of Missions here for Multiply. What's up, John? Good morning. And today, we're going to talk all about the theories and theology of substitutionary atonement. Just kidding. Okay. Do you know all the we theories will. and theology mm-hmm. of that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. No. Um, not, not we're not. Me. We're not going to do that. Um, but maybe someday we'll talk about substitutionary atonement, um, have a good theology discussion. Uh, today, though, we um, we have some some fun to have. We have a guest with us uh, again. And uh, here at Behind Open Doors, we want to help you multiply. Your disciple-making efforts and your teaching and training. and But really, you know what? We've been getting some feedback on the podcast already, and uh, we've been told that it feels like you could just sit back with a cup of coffee and um, hang out with us and uh, have a conversation with us. And that's really the design of this. That's really what we want, is for you to just kind of sit back and enjoy your coffee, your tea, your drink of choice, and uh, invite you in, here's, here it is, to conversations that matter, that, that we believe truly matter. As followers of the way of Jesus... Uh, we can be so distracted by minor things that get major attention. And I, I believe, my conviction is that this is a tactic of the enemy, ultimately, to divert worship away from Jesus as Lord. Um, but, you know, not everything that distracts is evil, of course. You know, our hearts are the ones that get led astray, right? Yeah. Jesus is often, he's often rebuked religious leaders of the day. Like in Matthew 15, um, verses 8 and 9, he did this, I think, in a very profound and direct way. He quoted Isaiah by saying, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. So let's let's parse this out a little bit, um, talking about conversations that truly matter, and our heart not being distracted away from the Lord. Um, you know, we cl- clearly know that the Lord is ultimately after our hearts, not merely our, our good deeds, right? But that we would be giving a grace-driven effort fueled by the gospel, not mere lip service. So in other words, our heart, and by the way, notice the singular use of the word heart. It doesn't, he doesn't say, they, he acknowledge, the people honor me with their lips, because there are two lips, right? And he's, he does not say, but their hearts are far from me. He says, their heart is far from me. God sees his people as a collective group, right? And yes, we have our individuality within that, but we have a collective heart as the people of God. Um, he wants our collective heart to be near to Him so that our works might follow, right? That we might give authentic worship in, in teaching and obeying the commands of Christ, not the traditions of men, as it says in the text there. And, um, you know, uh, John and I have the, have the same mentoring professor from seminary. His name is Dr. George Robinson, and uh, we think a lot of that guy, so shout out to Dr. George, if he's out there. And, uh, you know, this this tool that he taught us a long time ago um, helps us think through some of these issues. We call it the three levels of authority. 
right? And so, um, John, walk us through those levels, and let's talk about that for a second, um, just, again, as a tool to think through, um, because I think there's a lot of application here in our churches, but also in our lives, um, our everyday lives, our family lives, whatever the case may be. So um, let's, let's talk through the first, second, and third levels of authority. Sure. When we're talking about conversations that matter, I think the first thing that is helpful is to just, we don't always, like us, and we're, we're having Caleb, Pastor Caleb on the show, and not every single one of our conversations matters. That's true. But, That's but, definitely true. But, but um, you know, we, we enjoy those times. We enjoy those fun conversations, and we talk about sports, or we talk about current events. We talk about slaps hurt around the world, and, and sometimes we're, we're silly and we joke about them. But um, Humor is a big deal, it's right? It's great. It, it really, it's important that we, we have humor. In a, in a serious moment, a well-timed joke is what has us all kind of rolling on the floor laughing at each no other. No doubt. You know? And I, I think that's good. I think that's okay. Absolutely. Right? Just because something is of first importance doesn't mean that we have to, um, oh, geez, doesn't mean that we have to act so serious all the time or let it ruffle our feathers. Um, we can we can stay even keel. We can stay balanced as we have it's, those conversations. Again, it's back so. to the heart, right? Yeah. The, the conversation on our lips might not be relevant to the gospel in a given moment, but our heart is yeah. in that place, yeah. even while we're having that conversation, yep, right? Yep, yep, And if something's saying uh, something that I don't agree with or believe in, I'm still caring about the person more than I am the argument and um, enjoying enjoying having the disagreement or the conflict or, or the tension there yeah. that needs to be managed. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. the three levels of authority really are helpful. And I know our, our professor or mentor, um, George, his mentor, George Patterson, I don't know, I think he might have come up with this, but I'm not sure the, uh, the inception of the idea of the three levels of authority, but how it can help shape conversations is, is, is huge. The first level is things that are in Scripture that are specifically commanded by Jesus, so, or, or even the apostles coming after Jesus would command those things of, of the disciples or the churches in a manner of repetition. So repent, believe, receive the Holy Spirit, be baptized. We're talking about the commands of Christ. Um, yeah. Take the Lord's Supper, worship, love God, love others, pray at all times and all things, give generously of your time, talent, treasure, table, make disciples by teaching others to obey. Those are first level things and they don't need to be voted on. Right, right. They're non-negotiables, right? Like yeah. they're the commands, they are directives, they're imperatives, however, you know, mm-hmm. um, forceful word you want to use. Like yeah. this is the stuff that we must do. Yeah, yeah. Second level issues are what Patterson calls apostolic practices. And they're gen- they generally come in narrative form, but not, not necessarily uh, do this or don't do this. So the biggest difference in, in these is that they should never be elevated to the first level, but it doesn't mean they're less important necessarily. Right. So these are more um, descriptive. Yeah. Right. Not prescriptive. It's great. Right. So this is you look in the book of Acts, especially as New Testament believers, we have a description of what happened in the early church. Um, and then Paul comes along afterwards and 
writes back to some of those churches that he planted mm-hmm. and gives them some prescriptive commands based on the commands of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, what we have in Acts is a narrative description of what happened. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that we have to do church this way or we have to do something a certain way. It's mm-hmm. uh, or that um, you know it, it uses very loose. Um, uh, descriptors like, um, and they they gather together um, from house to house, you know, and 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 shared a meal and and prayed for one another and followed the apostles' teaching there at the end of Acts chapter two, right? Um, that's that's very clear of what was happening, but there's no command in that to. It doesn't also say so. Therefore, you go and do the same. Right, it yeah. says this is what happened. Right, yeah. so we have a model for us to follow. Yeah, and those normative patterns are really important to look at, yeah. but we also need to uh, allow um, the things of man to remain the things of man and not try to assume uh, or prescribe those things onto the Lord. Right. Like God didn't say, do this or do that. Um, man saying that, uh, whatever the whatever the issue is. So I think a really good one, let's talk about the third level issue and then we can go yeah. into an example okay. then. The third level issue is human tradition. So it's not found in scripture per se, but the church fathers, um, there's kind of two ways to, to parse this one out, church fathers and contextualization. So church fathers would be a third level issue would be like the apostles creed. Should we recite that every single time? Are we making that a command in our churches? Are we, are we prescribing that we have to say that? Um, well, no, it's a third level issue. Um, and, it's helpful because it reinforces the first and second level issues, but it's never commanded or, or even said by Jesus, but uh, it could be helpful. And then context is another one that um, asks like, hey, should we meet in a house? Should we meet under a tree? Should we meet in a building? Should it be brick? Should it be aluminum? What colors a carpet? All those things, human tradition, context, um, church fathers, we can learn from them, but those are, um, those are big opinion, conviction level issues that can sometimes assume the place of first and second level in some churches. Right. So this is what actually brings up the reference back to the text in Matthew 15, right? Where Jesus is saying, they worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. In other words, he's saying, you religious leaders are taking third tier issues and teaching them as if they are commands from God. Um, These are the hedges that they've built around the law, right? Um, That you must wash your hands before you eat is now a command Mm -hmm. of God in their mind as they teach it versus a tradition that was passed down because it keeps purity at the meal table or whatever. You know what I mean? That's an example of what they were doing back then. But we do the same thing today. We we do the same thing today, and we we hold fast to the human traditions, the traditions of men, and we end up splitting churches. We end up... you know, leaving churches, we end up having very harsh disagreements about things that are going on in churches yeah. because we're holding tightly to the commands of men. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it's important to point out in our Multiply family that the Multiply Central team um, does not exist to enforce anything on our churches. Mm-hmm. Um, we are here to uh, to help our churches, to assist our churches, to walk alongside our churches that they might be healthy. Um, in the way of doctrine, yes, um, there's a collective group of elders together that ensure that we're we're following the commands of Christ, that we're teaching the commands of Christ. 
Um, but honestly, beyond the first level, when it comes to the Multiply family, there's a lot of openness mm-hmm. with how you do church in your context. Yeah, a lot of autonomy there. Yeah, um, exactly. For, for the people to determine, hey, this is our context. What do we want to do? How do we want to practice this? Um, liturgy means the work or service of the people. Not not some like order of worship service that you know right. we do. Yeah. But, right. Um, so they get to decide that. What is what does that look like for for you as as a covenanted people um, that's autonomous? Yeah. And um, I, so the uh, an example that often comes up in this conversation is like um, <laughs> I I started almost 10 years ago now in what was a fairly traditional Southern Baptist church. And, um, we had the red carpet in the pews, like every other church did in the 1950s. You're going to start a fight and, right now. Um, <laughs> and I'm not fond of red carpet. I don't mind pews that much. We kept the top level in the balcony, you know? Um, however, uh, when I came in, I did, I, I, referenced and taught the three levels of authority almost immediately Hmm. so that we could see the type of things that we will divide over. (laughs) We will divide over where you stand on the gospel, right? We will divide over uh, you saying that something that Christ has taught is either wrong or you're you're going against that, right? Uh, However, we will unite on, on those first level things and understand that these second and third level issues um, are not going to be made first. So if you're upset about the red carpet being pulled up, then you're upset about a third level issue, right? Yeah. And um, and I think bringing people back to that basic reminder and understanding across the board of what is of most importance, you know, First Corinthians mm-hmm. 15, what is of utmost importance, of first importance, is, of course, the gospel and where we stand with those first-level issues. Um, so we can't be doing what Jesus says here and teach as doctrines the commands of men or the traditions of, of men. Otherwise, we get ourselves into a whole world of distraction. Once again, the heart of the matter gets um, upended. And, um, yeah, I think we... Uh, we just get things out of order. Ultimately, what uh, Jesus does not want of us, he mm-hmm. wants our whole heart, our mm-hmm. not, not our distracted heart. Yeah, there's... Um, there's a quote that I found this past week that um, I think is, is perfect for this. Jesus didn't come. He didn't enter into his creation to construct the ideal church model or service or... And, and here's the quote from Pastor Pastorum. He didn't come uh, to be the founder of a school of philosophy or any external form of religion at all. He concerned himself with being present with his disciples, proclaiming God and his unity with God and delegating his authority to the church. On the other hand, all that has to do with organization, outward customs, Effective sanctions or the condensing of doctrines into the formulae of creeds belongs to the human side of religion. And men of different climes and ages must shape such matters for themselves. So I think one of the clearest examples to look at all three of these in, in, in unison is baptism. First level issue, be baptized, must be baptized. The mode of baptism is a right. second level issue, right? right? Um, should it be running water? Should it be still water? Should it be the baptismal? Should it be the bay? Where, where are we baptizing? Mm-hmm. Um, when are we baptizing? Uh, most of that is second level issues. The first level issue, though, is if you're a believer, 
you must be baptized. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So it's about the affections of the heart, right? And um, and, and again, the Jesus said in that in that passage that he is after our heart. You know, our hearts must yes. not be far from him. Um, there's a great C.S. Lewis quote. It, it says this, and maybe you've heard this before. It's actually quite popular. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea or a vacation at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Man, uh, C.S. Lewis was a, a, a genius for these kind of uh, quotes and, and pulls from some of his work. And um, uh, I think... I don't know. I'm, the modern day C.S. Lewis is almost like a probably Keller. Um, it would probably be the best uh, best quotable source on stuff like this. It's just things you have to read multiple times. Yeah, maybe Piper. I don't know. Um, but man, just uh, that idea though of messing around with stuff that just doesn't matter, or stuff that is so distracting, or stuff that we think brings us um, excitement or joy. Um, we're really messing around like an ignorant kids playing around the mud, you yeah. know, when yeah. it comes to what is truly offered us yeah. in Christ. Um, and we are, we are, we are so distracted and so far too easily pleased. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, and that's something we allow, right? Um, we, we have to, we allow ourselves to get to a point where um, we haven't guarded our affections and we haven't taken every thought captive. And so what we take in truly matters, right? Um, managing our environments to eliminate distractions and um, actually resting, you know, <laughs> go to go to bed, yeah. uh, you know, um, just taking small, quick assessments on what's going on in our lives. And, um, you know, we, we came out of our abide season in January and, and still kind of emphasize it a little bit during um, Lent that that slowing is is important, you know, and that we went at a fast pace. I know at, at OV for a long time, you were a part of that, John. And we, um, I, I think we, we hurt ourselves and maybe even a lot of people during some of that time because we were just so like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's on to the next thing. Oh, we built a coffee shop. Cool. On to the next thing, you know, and like, um, not enough time of just pausing, resting and reflecting on, man, look at the goodness of God and yeah. what he's accomplished. First you know? and foremost, he's called us here to be a blessing. Yeah. And are we doing that? Yeah. And do, do our conversations reflect that? And like we said, not every conversation has to matter. Um, you know, when you're debriefing with your spouse at the end of the day, some of those conversations, um, like the the material or content of the conversation doesn't necessarily matter, but the fact that you're listening and loving and being a blessing, Impressive. that's what matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, how, how do we guard our affections and take our thoughts captive? That's what we were referencing uh, the last few episodes. As far as this gets really exhausting, yeah. taking every thought captive, uh, prayer without ceasing, um, or stopping, right? Um, those are things that we have to train ourselves up in. And have you heard of the 10,000 hour rule? Uh, I, I read a book. I think, I think it was blink. 
by Glad- Gladwell that talked a little mm. bit about this. Um, yep, Malcolm but, Gladwell. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell, right? Yep. It takes 10,000 hours to be professional or prof- to be great yep. at something. Is yep. something like that, right? Yep. To, yeah, when, when they've done studies on uh, professional musicians or athletes or writers or you name it, um, and 10,000 hours, once, once you can clock that, you're pretty much on your way or, or there at, at being proficient in that skill. And that, if I remember right, that was like doing something regularly for about 10 years, I think is mm. about what that is, right? Yep. Is when about after Sounds about the right. 10 year mark. Um, I mean, if you go intense, you could reduce that time, but usually it works out to be close to about 10 years of you doing something mm. um, proficiently. Um, you get to a point where things are, uh, that your reaction is uh, is your gut reaction to something is something that's now just kind of built in yeah. as, learned, as a learned behavior. Muscle right? memory. Right. Muscle memory, for sure. Da Vinci painted a thousand hands. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's a guy named Matisse who said the difficulty with most uh, artists who, who or most people who want to become artists is that they spend more time chasing models than painting them. <laughs> And so back to the distractions, yeah. right? How do I how do I discipline myself to take uh, into consideration the things that matter, and then identify the things that distract me? That's how I can build. That's one of the first ways I can start building discipline and practice. First Timothy four, Paul told Timothy in, in in verse seven, he said to train yourself to be godly. And the word train there is from the, the word we derive gymnasium from, mm. and um, he says in First Corinthians nine to the to the Corinthian church, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict trainings. Therefore, I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight um, like a boy or or someone who's who's just beating the air. He says, no, I I fight like a man, and I beat my body, and I make it my slave. Yeah. So, how is that different from? like legalism. Well, legalism is self-centered and anthropocentric or man-centered. Discipline is God-centered. We can sit here and we can say, you know, this, this Western mentality of pull yourself up by the bootstraps, just, you know, suck it up. You can sleep when you're dead. I grew up, I grew up with <laughs> that mentality. Me. Yeah. Yeah. You little, did too. I feel a little bit of something deep down. Yeah. There's, you can you hear that? that? So, but, but I love that. I love, I love the fact that I was raised with, with a very determined spirit. Um, however, there are many areas of my life where I need to work on discipline and, and my wife would, would, uh, agree with me on that, but it's still something that I'm very passionate about. And, and I think the biggest thing that's helped me is understanding that, Hey, I'm not doing this just for myself. Now I have, I have, dude, this is hilarious. There's been multiple times this last year where I have thanked old John. I'm like, Oh, thank you, John. Like I, I put a drink in the fridge, you yeah, know, yeah, something yeah. still silly or stupid, but then other big things like, Pass man, I'm John. so glad I changed the windshield wipers before this trip because this is a massive storm. I just find myself in situations where I did something previously that I, I, I didn't know if it would matter or not, but, but I, I just went ahead and took, I, I remained disciplined. I disciplined myself. I forced myself to do it and then it paid off in the long run. And that's kind of the, the, the structure of how, you know, God built that into creation. Like 
the return on that investment. Anyways, yeah, that's good. Um, the the difference there is is realizing that it's not me, um, fully or or firstly that should be my motivation. Like I got to be the best version of myself. You know, I got to live my best life now. It's it's driven out of a motivation for hey, God has God has given me the opportunity in this day, in this age, in this context, in this country to be able to steward this time and opportunity well. And I'm grateful that I have this opportunity and I'm going to, I'm going to show God and that's going to be my motivation that it's out of thanks, not out of me trying to retain some kind of merit from him. Yeah, this is good. So it, I, I just wrote down discipline versus distraction, right? Is the two kind of principles mm-hmm. we're looking at here is the distracted heart is pulled away from God. That's the heart that becomes far from God, right? The disciplined heart is what is brought near to God because, you know, Paul said, like you like I said, First Corinthians 9, that um, I beat my body. I think there's another translation that says I discipline mm-hmm. my body and make it my slave. So um, the idea there is that there is work to be done on yourself yes. when yes. you become a Christian. It's not a one and done kind of thing. This isn't the University of Kentucky basketball, right? Um, this is uh, this is Kansas basketball. <laughs> oh geez, here we go. Yep. <laughs> the champs are here. Um it was a good game by the way. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was crazy. That. It was fun. I wish injury didn't get in the way. Yeah. I feel bad for you in that. But <laughs> anyways. Yeah, that was a fun game. We had some good text conversations during that. It was good. Yes. Um go UNC. I'm still your still my boys. Um, but the discipline. God saw it fit. <laughs> okay. It was time. It was time. The All 2020 right. team didn't get their chance in <laughs> Kansas, and so now they did. So your time is now is now gone. Oh, we'll keep um, talking about this later. We're not done, but okay. Uh, discipline. Back to discipline, right? We need to be more disciplined in this conversation. Um, that that we are working towards something. We've got a like a like an athlete trained towards godliness. It's not just given to us. Uh, Romans 12 talks about renewing your mind, right? And it really begins mm-hmm. with that, thinking and dwelling on these mm-hmm. things. I just pulled up uh, Philippians 4, 8. Uh, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Yes. Right? There's a there's a process of convincing yourself that these things um, must be of first importance in, in your life, right? Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Right. So the mind is such a big role in this. So the discipline aspect versus distraction is where are you setting your mind, right? Am I disciplining my mind so that my heart will follow? Am I distracting my mind because my heart's going to follow, right? Yeah. And ultimately, then the hands, so mm-hmm. the head, heart, hands, right? Mm-hmm. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the progression that happens there. So uh, why don't you walk us through just some of these, um, getting not being distracted by minor things. What's some practices that, that, we, could, um, uh, that we could take away from this, um, something that might help our folks um, think through this well and, and digest this well? I think it has to deal with tendency or patterns and recognizing those. So that would be a start is what, what typically gets my attention and are those things that matter? That's good. What, what do, what are my behaviors that I want to participate in in my flesh that then Mm. pull me away 
to distraction. Yeah. And whatever the root of that is, back that up, right? And yep. say, that's, I know that when I don't have enough sleep, my mind is going to wander. I'm going to want to see something or watch something I shouldn't watch or get on social when I shouldn't be or whatever the case may be. But the, the root of it is tired. I'm tired. Yeah. Um, and, and I need rest, right? And yeah. so pulling back to those root issues, yeah. recognizing it, that's a yeah. big, that's a big. The one. motivation there of the heart is this, this statement helped me a lot. And I think this was from George Robinson as well, is everybody is a worshiper. It's just who or what are we worshiping? And in those moments, <laughs> we're choosing the, the low hanging fruit that's right. really easy. Um, Instead of instead of calling to mind and taking every thought captive and and thinking about why am I wanting to do this right now? Yeah, Calvin said the human heart is an idol factory or a factory yes. of idols, right? Yes. Uh, same same concept there. Yeah. 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 And so we have to. I, I have to identify those things in my my own life. Like what's my tendency or pattern, and then boss myself around, <laughs> discipline myself, like Paul said. Uh, but so th- because the motivation is that I want to please God because he's done I- innumerable things for me and, and has and will continue. And so I, I want to be obedient. Um, Boss yourself around. So that's like uh, Jim Carrey on Liar, Liar. <laughs> <laughs> this pen is... <laughs> yep. Well said. It takes grit Roll to... Blue. to, to, to <laughs> it takes grit to 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 do that. It takes that motivation. It takes the consistency. It takes the perseverance, and it takes the ten thousand hours to really make it a reflex. The principle of inertia is helpful. It's gonna it's gonna be slow to start, but man, once you get it going and and you start practicing, you realize that hey, this is this is a lot simpler than it used to be. Yeah. Can we? I just want to drill down before we move on from this topic a little bit more because. I think that in churches in America today, we're often, especially in our Reformed circles, uh, we tend to get made fun of a little bit for being rigid, right? Being a little bit too rigid with things, a little bit too, um, you know, analytical with how we're preaching or whatever the case may the be. The angry Calvinist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like those that those people. Um, drive me crazy too. But I think there's a balance there though. And I think part of it is just the, that again, the discipline of being able to think well through things. Um, because again, you're, how you think about something actually matters. So when we say a, a general statement, like read your Bible, right? That's not always helpful in a given moment. I get that. Um, but to know the assumption Behind that, when I say a statement like "read your Bible," it's it's the shorter version of of being able to say, "Fill your mind with the things of God that are found in the Scriptures." Because when you fill your mind with the things of God that are found in the Scriptures, yes. you will be led to better behaviors, better beliefs, and better practices. Because God is rooted in your mind now, that drives your heart and your hands ultimately. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, multiply churches. If you're listening, when any of our pastors say "read your Bible," that's really what we're saying in a very in a more concise form um, is to take every thought captive, to fill your mind with the things of God, so that your gut reaction is a reaction of that is His um, and not ultimately uh, from the flesh. Right. And I think that that's a part of the discipline is working in these means of grace, like 
Bible reading to fill your mind with these things so that your response um, is a godly one. Yeah. So boss yourself around with those kind of disciplines. Yes, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection is a book that talks about that. Like, how do we train ourselves to stop doing something? Well, start doing something else that's healthier and better. And so The Expulsive Power of a New Affection by Thomas Chalmers is good for that. Good stuff. Um, but yeah, so anything else to that, kind of bring this down to? A- yeah, that change happens in the uncomfortable. And we were discussing just the the culture today being really soft. We're really soft. Okay, so last night we were out driving, getting some ice cream, and the 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 heat wasn't on in the car, and it was freezing, and so we had to turn the heat on. And I just had the thought, man, we are so soft. So what I, when I like think this ice cream, like the, there you go. So man, the change lives in the uncomfortable. So you, you've been given power and authority from God. And once you see the uncomfortable is just that it's just uncomfortable for a moment. It's not going to kill you, but it's actually going to bring about a better God centered long-term result. Then the uncomfortable is worth it. And, and yeah, we've, we've talked a lot about how our culture is soft today and we need to live in the uncomfortable and listen, a sword doesn't live in the fire. It, it's forged in the fire, but it doesn't stay there. And so if we can realize this is a season of change where I need to, I need to live in the fire and I need to really fight this issue, this tendency, this habit, um, I do it because the Lord's going to give me strength and I trust him and he's going to, he's going to give me the power to overcome it. And then it's going to become a reflex. It doesn't mean I stop relying on the Lord, but that maybe it's I don't. The temptation isn't as strong as it once was because I've replaced it with with a greater love. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So I think this comes with time. The ten thousand hour rule does is not if that is a true principle, and I think it is across the board. And that also means that it's going to take a while for you to grow in discipline, right? I don't know about 10,000 hours, but it's going to take some time to grow in that discipline. So yeah, a Christian that's been a, a, a fully devoted follower of Jesus for 10 years is going to look a whole lot different than somebody who either just started or is only a year into it, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the reality of going through the reps, um, going through the disciplines of uh, the spiritual disciplines and uh, you know, reading scriptures, filling your mind with the things of the Lord, setting your mind on things above. That is, that is a constant practice. Um, yeah. Uh, it's going to take time. It's written in nature. The first year as a gardener, you know, planting something, you're not going to reap that big of a harvest or the flowers aren't going to bloom as beautifully as they will the third year. Yeah. Yeah. And so this, the heart behind, um, I think what we're saying is that we want our hearts back to the original passage of scripture that that Jesus gave us, right? That these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. We never want to teach as doctrines what are really truly just human traditions. Uh, We don't want to just uh, give God lip service. We want our hearts to be close to Him. And so as we... uh, um, as we work in these disciplines and bring in the heart of God to our lives, um, ultimately we want to multiply that, right? Mm-hmm. We want to multiply the heart of God, and that's what truly matters in the Christian life. Um, so we want to worship the Lord with a right heart posture and uh, with, with, with sound doctrine, right? Teaching as doctrines the commands of men. We don't want to do that. We want sound doctrine. And, and keeping in mind, as we stated as well, that a little bit of fun is okay. 
right? And that's uh, not every conversation we're in has to be like locked in, super serious, um, but that we can, even in those more serious conversations, have some fun, like little Johnny going to get ice cream after a good day at school. Spoonful of sugar. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Helps the medicine go down. Exactly. Well, before we get into our main topic of the day, I know that was a main topic, but this the next thing is we're going to bring in uh, a guest and and talk through um, some things about leader gifts and spiritual gifts. But before we do that, let's listen to this announcement. This announcement affects all our churches in the Multiply family. Every year, we recommit a portion of our giving over and above the normal tithe to your individual church to the Multiply Project. The campaign giving to Multiply funds about half of the yearly budget for our central operations, all in a collective effort to multiply new disciples, leaders, and churches in our area. This year, as you consider your giving beyond your regular general budget giving to your church, we ask that you'd remember the efforts of Multiply and Kingdom Advancement here in Hampton Roads. Check out our social media feeds and multiplythechurch.com for our new teaser video and begin by marking down May 22nd as Commitment Day and June 5th is the multi-church celebration service at Little Creek Church. Okay, as you know, in each episode of Behind Open Doors, we want to bring up a topic to chew on, and of course, we want to discuss what truly matters as we multiply our walk with Jesus. And that's what this podcast is all about. So we've talked a lot about gospel fluency the last um, couple weeks, and we'll continue to do so as we touch on various topics. Gospel fluency is, of course, how we communicate the implications of the gospel in any situation, whether it's parenting, discipleship, counseling, encouragement, um, bringing the gospel to bear on each other's lives is is what is going to uh, reveal to us whether or not our heart is truly close to God or not and challenge us to, uh, to, to step one uh, one step closer. This multiplies the gospel ultimately, but as we grow as followers of the way of Jesus, we must understand more of who we are in that and who God has made us to be. Um, it's really hard to multiply yourself if you don't understand how God has gifted you, right? And believe it or not, you are gifted. You are uniquely graced by God with certain gifts that He has given you uniquely to serve the body and to uh, step into the body of Christ and do exactly what it is that you're called to do in Him. And by the way, that doesn't mean just on a Sunday, for goodness sake. Sunday gathering is one particular thing um, that that is important, but it is not... Greeting somebody at a door on a Sunday is not the only way to serve the church. You serve the church, you serve the body throughout the week as well. So I want to set up a couple of foundations to agree on, and um, we understand that we're making disciples of Jesus, so just that is implied in this. So when I say multiplying yourself, um, what I, we mean teaching others how to grow in their gifting as you have, right? So we're making disciples of Jesus, and we're teaching others to obey, meaning that they're able to identify who God has gifted them to be. And they can do that because they've worked alongside you, who has worked through these conversations and found your place in the body and, and grown up um, in, in Him and learn how to be that uh, exhorter, teacher, administrator, whatever it is that you are doing to serve the church. So as we follow Him, we understand more about 
ourselves. We understand that we were first uh, separated from Him. We were in need of regeneration. We understand that we have a new identity. We've been made new. We are a new creation in Him. We are free from sin and death. And the third part of this is really what we're talking about today. How do I fit in the body of Christ? How do I fit in that process of sanctification and, and kingdom living as, it, as it's worked out? So I want to bring in Pastor Caleb Denini, who is the lead pastor of Little Creek Church, into the podcast. So welcome into Behind Open Doors, sir. Yes, glad to be here. Less of a guest, more brother. <laughs> I feel like I'm more of a brother to you, John, than anyone in this room. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, most days. Um, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. But <laughs> Honestly, it didn't even cross my mind. Uh, just look it up. Uh, Pastor Caleb and I have the same last name. You can put together what you will on that. Um, but here's what we've been doing, folks. And he was in, he was, he was in the van in India. That's true. And, and not down by the river once not, again. No, that's right. When India. when yep. all these conversations really t- started taking place, it was it was us three that that was really learning a lot. Yeah, I applied to get into the Mahindra Mobile Seminary. That's it. That was the name of the original podcast. It was, and I denied that request. Okay. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here behind open doors. Yeah. Amen. Well, um, we've been recently emphasizing gifts in our churches. Once again, I realize that I say gifts like the thing that you post in a text thread, um, and it sounds like gifts, but I'm really saying gifts. Okay. Right. Can we just come with that understanding too? I like since it. We're laying foundations right now. Yep. Okay. So First Corinthians twelve. Just it's not a. Just don't call them gifts. It's not a right. gif. No, no, no. It's not. I, I, by the way, that's a. That is a declarative for me. Yeah. It is gifts. Gif. Okay. And that's a first level issue. That's a first level <laughs> issue. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So we've been talking about. You guys are getting me off track here. Um, gifts in the church, serving the church. First Corinthians twelve through fourteen is a major section on this, and so we've been teaching through in our in our different churches. And um, yeah, I just want to hear, Pastor Caleb, first of all, just the the, the front end of this. Um, how has that been landing in Little Creek? And um, have they have they really been, uh, you know, receiving this well, um, this recent series and how it applies to our churches? It's been good. Can I, am I allowed to be like authentically honest or do I got to be no other way. serious? Okay, good. Um, so I had a guy in my church um the first week, uh, I'm pretty sure this guy just is trying to find the most obscure part of the body, as we reference that we are all one body, many members. Um, and he, the first week, he was he, we at our church. We have to um, our worship s- service area that we have our, our our gathering. We have to tear down, set up, and tear down every week. And uh, so he was putting chairs away, and I said, "Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for thanks for uh, taking those chairs down." He said, "No worries. Just try not to be the appendix. That's the most worthless part of the body." <laughs> And then, uh, and then the week after, we were still talking about gifts, and and he said, um, he had, he he messaged me and asked me a question, and I and I, I answered his question, and I said, I, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming, and it was about ter- serving at the egg hunt. Thanks for coming and serving. I really appreciate it. He's like, yeah, man, just just try not to be the bunghole. <laughs> <laughs> so I was gonna uh, say, I was gonna ask if this guy was a dad at uh, first. <laughs> Come on, now. first one was a dad joke. The second one was. He's an older dad joke. <laughs> older dad joke. Okay. All right. Uh, but no, just that. That so my our people, my people have really uh, in, enjoyed it. Um, it's kind of a probably a fresh take for them. Um, 
some of them maybe have heard this stuff before, but uh, it's just it's been a it's been a joy to hear people desiring to discover what their gifts are, not just to say this is my gift, but to say how do I how can this gift that I have serve everyone else? Yeah, yeah, that's been a cool discovery. Yeah, yeah, that's good, right? Because that's Man. the purpose ultimately, right? Is to edify or build up the body. And so um, I'm going to look at Ephesians 4, uh, verse 11 real quick and following, um, just to emphasize the first part of this, the what we'll call the leader gifts. And, um, and then secondly, we'll talk about what we've been calling the spiritual gifts, right? Um, the Ephesians 4 passage, we believe, uh, identifies the leader gifts in the church. I realize there are multiple views and angles on this, um, but we are uh, we are a church that does emphasize uh, the leader gifts here, specifically in 4.11 in Ephesians. It says, He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of stature, the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And so he goes on to say, speaking the truth in love. So I would, I would, I would go back to our previous discussion here and to say that we are to reach the unity of faith and, by the way, knowledge of God. Uh, where do we attain knowledge? Through our minds, right? So again, back to that discipline of working in the minds um, so that we may no longer be children. So there's an expectation of growing in the faith, being not being tossed and fro, to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I assume that being the doctrine of men, right? That mm-hmm. Jesus talked about back in Matthew 15 um, and not by human coming and craftiness and deceitful schemes. So that we're, we're making sure that we are built up in unity and that is uh, led by the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherd, teachers. Uh, we often refer to that as apest um, here at our multiply churches, um, and we have these apest leader gifts that are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith. All right, so let's let's walk through each of these: apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, and um, let's talk about the kind of the characteristics of each. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about where we land uh, with things. And, um, and I think it begins, it begins with the apostles, right? And we're not talking about the capital A apostles appointed by God that wrote the, the New Testament or were close to writing the New Testament. Um, we are, we're talking about sent ones. Little A. Yeah, we're talking about ones who are, um, you know, taking new ground, ones that are really uh, envisioning, envisioning things moving forward. Um, These are usually the people that can't stay still, right? Um, I guess it's worth saying that all of us, uh, if we were to take, there are tests that we can, we'll talk about, we'll point you to, but um, all of us, if we were to take this little APEST test, um, are a capital A apostle um, here, uh, me, Pastor Caleb, Pastor John, um, are all... Uh, capital A? Well, I say capital A like, as an emphasis. Assessment. I'm just thinking of the assessment as an emphasis, uh, right? Th- yeah, there's some there's some big ecclesiological um, yeah. perspectives there. Yeah, exactly. So uh, talk a little bit about Apostle Caleb. Um, yeah. What does that mean? Uh, I often describe an, an apostle as someone, if, you're, if you envision being in a very dense jungle that hasn't been inhabited yet, 
uh, the apostle is the person out in front of everybody else with a machete in their hand mm. that's just cutting down all the all the underbrush, just trying to forge a path for people. And it's not pretty, right? Like it, it's not. It's a lot of times it's the raw, it's the raw cut down of the path, and then you get people behind you um, who are able to refine it and maybe eventually make a highway. But mm-hmm. but your job as an apostle is to take what wasn't where there was nothing and make something. Yeah. See the new path. Right? Yeah. Cause you're cutting vision exactly where you need to go. Exa- yeah. You're cutting the new path and the, there's p- folks behind you that are like, where are we going? I don't even see what you're trying to do. Why are we doing this? There's yeah. nowhere to go. <laughs> I've heard that before somewhere like, um, the old Testament, yeah, like somewhere. Israel, yeah. maybe. I don't know. My wife, when we're driving, Oh geez, <laughs> that, that might be more on you than her though. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, yeah, Amen. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so that's the apostle. The prophet, um, the prophet is something specific as well. Um, if I am, am looking through this correctly, um, Caleb, you're actually um, your top two are like apostle prophet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us what it means to be a prophet in this sense. We're not talking about foretelling. We're not talking about telling the future necessarily, right? Like Old Testament prophets might be perceived. O- Old Testament prophets had that role, yeah. but but there was a different role. And what was that role? Back yeah. then, and what is it now for it's us? It's not the it's not the guy with a turban with a with a with a, a glass ball in front of them. You know, right. like go this way. Yeah. Um, no, uh, I, I we we said it. We, actually, we just preached on this this past Sunday, and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read the definition uh, that we that we used. I I used in the in the sermon to describe it, and it is that um, it's. Prophets are, or prophecy, if you will, is Holy Spirit prompted, intelligible messages, either orally or written, that are delivered to a person or community intended for edification or encouragement. Mm. And so a prophet is, yes, a truth teller in the sense of like, in, uh, truth meaning like the Word of God informs our truth telling, right? That's where our truth comes from. It doesn't come from my opinion of what you should do. It's based on what I know about scripture. This is where I see that God could use you yeah. best. And maybe you not maybe you don't see it for yourself and maybe the Lord wanted wanted to use me to tell you that. Yeah. So it's not foretelling, it's forthtelling. Yeah, right? it's good. Like speaking it into laying out the truth of God. Um yeah, we need we need prophets around us to say to say, to back up the machete guy, to say, this is true, this is right, this is good, this is where we're supposed to go, let's follow, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's the, the prophet person, and the, right? the prophet, first and foremost, is one who hears and listens to God, and then out of that word or revelation from his word, then he tells, he speaks forth. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Next one is evangelist. Um, John, you're the closest one to this that we have. You're, you're. If we were to go through this little test thing, you're more of an apostle evangelist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, by the way, often how we refer to this is the top two, and then the third one kind of gets a little reference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we say, I, you'll hear me say, I'm an apostle teacher. Gail's an apostle prophet. John's an apostle evangelist. Um, you know, Eric is also apostle teacher. Um, and, and yeah, so w- that's the kind of the language we use and how we describe What's it. What's Robbie? Um, Robbie is going to be a... Apostle Tech? 
<laughs> no, oh. he's going to be more of a, a shepherd teacher, I think. Yeah. Um, he's going to be an anchor guy, and mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a second. But mm-hmm. talk to us about evangelist. What is, what is the evangelist in the leader gifting in the church? Yeah, an evangelist is someone who brings good news and shares that message readily. So these, these leaders, um, when, when we came to Norfolk, and joined with OV Church, and and then Multiply came about. When I was praying through the move, I I felt like you know everybody. I heard God, um, but I I heard this statement, or I saw this statement, or some somehow this statement came to mind or heart, and it was be with the saved where the lost are, and so essentially, God's given me a big heart to shepherd too. Um, and, and to guard the flock, to equip the flock, right? But in such a way that I'm leading them into the mission field. Yeah, that's good. You read that on a billboard on the way up here, didn't you? <laughs> it, was, it was as I uh, was scrolling Instagram this morning. I read it somewhere. Right. No, right. No. So it was probably a stay-at-home mom wrote that down on her Instagram. You were, yeah, you read it. Right. Um, the evangelist, like, it's one of the... I guess kind of traits of an evangelist too is um, I often use this example like um, you can spot an evangelist because they want to tell you where the best restaurant is and why you should eat there right now. That's you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, so I know that there's a little bit of evangelist in me because when I do something fun or good, like I want to tell people about it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, and I think some of with evangelism, there's a shepherding piece with evangelism that goes with like, hospitality and love for people, Mm. you know, and just wanting to um, really care for people well. Um, We may not, as evangelist types, we may not do that long term. (laughs) Uh, We may not do well at that, but in the immediate, like, I want to make you feel welcome, right? That's that's the role of an evangelist. That's huge. And it's not the typical Billy Graham idea of an evangelist, right? It's, it's, I'm caring for the people around me. Yeah. And I'm making, I'm, I'm not afraid to get into new relationships. Yeah. Um, those are typically some signs that you might be an evangelist. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard people say that an event, like people think they're not evangelists cause they, they don't want to go out and like cold call somebody into, into sharing the gospel with them. But they, they have the evangelist gift because they, they're able to, to set up spaces that are not, that are comfortable to be able to receive the gospel message like so they whether it's their home whether it's a a coffee shop or what you know they 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 set the tone to for the gospel to be able to be presented in a way that is that is going to be heard yeah yeah there's and there's so there's varying degrees of this right there's that like apostle evangelist that's the Let's go knock on doors. Let's go talk to people. Let's go to the college campus <laughs> yeah. and strike up conversations. And then there's like yeah. the shepherd evangelist that's like, let's go sit down in a coffee shop for three hours and have really good, deep conversation yep. with a lost person, for yep. instance. You know, um, the more relational evangelism kind of uh, kind of style of thing, yeah. right? And it's usually built on personality yeah. um, or rooted in personality mm-hmm. or initiated mm-hmm. by personality. Typically, evangelists enjoy spending their time with people that are far from God more than they do spending their time with other believers. Yeah, that's true. Speaking Especially of those, apostle evangelists. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So speaking with those of those who um, like to spend time with the people of God, we're talking about shepherds now, right? Um, so the next one is shepherd and just that uh, 
also, you know, of course, pastor is the word for shepherd as well. Um, and so these pastor shepherds uh, that's referred to in Ephesians 4, 11, they're going to be the ones that um, just love to care for people. You know, um, we're, I was meeting with a guy recently that um, I, when I think of a shepherd teacher type, I just think of this dude because um, he gets worn out by things moving fast. Um, but he just loves to sit and talk with people and yes. love people and, hey, how you doing? How's your family? You know, um, the, the shepherd teacher types, by the way, we'll talk again more about this, but the shepherd types is more of the what we would consider like that traditional pastor role um, in American culture and really in, in Western culture is kind of that traditional person that's going to visit the hospitals. It's going to um, just enjoy being present and um, probably moving slow in life, um, which, you know, there's something to learn for us apostles <laughs> from those shepherds because, uh, again, we like to move on quickly from things, um, mm-hmm. but the shepherds are like, ah, how about we hang on for a second? Or, you know what, maybe maybe the Lord's calling us to do that, but it might not be yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, uh, yeah, so I think that's an example of a shepherd. Anything else from the shepherd side? Guardians, yeah. you know, they, they recognize when people are wolves in sheep's clothing and they guard sound doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. The last one there is teacher. Um, and the teacher is pretty self-explanatory. Um, but I think it's just worth saying that the teacher is the one who just wants you to understand what's being said about, um, scriptures or about really whatever, the teacher is teaching from yeah, and, and how <laughs> to live it out. Yeah, and how to live it out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so a little, a little bit of my my background. I was a a school teacher for nine years, and it's interesting that teacher gift is not one of my highest. It's, it's one of my lowest gifts. And so those, the <laughs> the office of teacher of what you do as a teacher as a as a classroom facilitator of information is not the same as this gift of of teacher. Like those are two different yeah, things. Do and, tell. and, uh, so no, it's just a, like, like Aaron said, it's a, you want to, you want everyone to explain or you want to explain everything so that everyone understands it. And Aaron definitely has this gift. Cause I think he'll talk a hole in people's heads and I'm ready to move on. And he's like, no, no, they got to know about the Greek and they got to know about the Hebrew in it. And they have to know, you know, it's like, good Lord, we already know, you know, like we already got it. But, uh, so that's the difference between like, it's not, it's not just because, so someone says, why well, I, I could never be in a classroom with students. So I'm not a teacher. That may not be true. Yeah. Cause you may want them to know the entire combustion engine before you let them start the car. You know, like that's probably a teacher, someone who really wants you to know everything about what's happening. Yeah. I, I won't name names, but, um, I, I had a professor in seminary that was not George Robinson, um, that I was so excited to take and be in their class because they had written so many books of theology and different thing, different topics. And, and I got in the class and I was bored out of my skull. Like I was so, it was, it was one of the worst classes that I had taken in seminary. Um, because often teachers with the gift of teaching are really like 
it's not necessarily that they they're not necessarily preachers they're not the flamboyant like dynamic dynamic charismatic whatever. they're probably a little more dry they probably love to write mm-hmm. um they probably love to sit down and process things and write out some stuff you know and um and that's that's very typical so i'm actually an apostle teacher a teacher is my second gifting um because yeah i, I do want people to get it i want people to understand that's why in the messages uh, that i do i probably do um more preaching for understanding and I'm not great as a default at getting to application. Mm-hmm. Like Caleb, you're really good at getting to application. And um, so we, maybe you don't know this, but uh, we actually share a lot of the teaching load across all of our multiply churches um, for our Sunday gatherings when we're aligned on a series like First Corinthians. And so we'll have our notes shared, and we have uh, Pastor Brad, who still works um, for Multiply, doing some research for us. So he'll provide us with the research notes. And um, provide provide us in there with some potential preaching points. So shout out to Brad. Thank you for continuing to do that with us. Um, we love what you do, man. And um, and that assists in us putting together our notes. And then our notes are shared with one another. And often, you know, Caleb will say, "Yeah, I really like what you said here. How you explained this thing." And I will often say, "Man, I really liked this illustration that you did because mm-hmm. it was really helpful to to that explanation, right?" Mm-hmm. And so sharing that load and our multiply family is incredibly important mm-hmm. because it brings the best, well, I'd say, I don't like this word, but it brings the best product, if you will, on a Sunday morning for people to receive, digest, yes, consume, but also think about how to put that into practice or yeah. in their own lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So George said in an article on grounding discipleship and creation order that Jesus wasn't merely living or inviting his disciples to study his teachings but moreover to become relationally and spiritually attached to his very life. So teaching gift, man, if you see somebody just making disciples left and right, they probably have the gift of teaching. Yeah, that's good. So let's talk, let's split these up a little bit before we move on to the the spiritual gifts, because um, that's a worthy conversation as well. But it, we, uh, we often talk about the apes and the shepherd teachers, right? Um, so we will break those things up typically because the apes um, often want to move things forward. Right? Yeah, and you talked a lot about pace in, yeah. in your definitions of these, so this is good. Yeah, so the, the apes, um, of which I am, I'm like split between these two, but in my younger years, I was more of that, A, let's move forward, you know, fast, quick, next thing, on to the next thing, right? And so the positive of that is there's progress, right? Yeah. There's, there's, it's good, let's there's move, expansion. let's expansion, we're taking new ground, we're getting into new fields, and that is incredibly important. Um However, the negative side is that, man, people get gassed, right? People get worn out. I got gassed. Or some people can think ago. that it's shallow. Yeah, that's true. Because shepherd, te- shepherd teachers love to go deep. Yeah. And, and apes like to go wide. Right. So. Right. So the shepherd teacher side um, would be, we just referred to Robbie a little bit ago, that he's probably more of a shepherd teacher because he's, he, he likes to anchor things down, mm-hmm. right? Um, yep. He, uh, not him, but just in general, shepherd teachers uh, like to pull back the reins a little bit and um, and say, "Hey, let's 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 slow down. Let's make sure people are cared for and understand why we're doing what we're doing." Yeah. Right. And um, I'll I'll finish this part for me just by saying, um, the the T side of me, the apostle teacher side of me, um, would. I'm, I'm beginning to lean into that a little bit more as far as the pace part of it would go, right? My younger years, um, 
press forward, right? Keep going, take the next ground. And now as I'm getting a little bit older, I'm like, yeah, let's move forward, but let's do it so at a healthy pace. Yeah. Right? Let's do so at a pace that makes sense for everyone That's, as best we can. I'm reminded of a, uh, uh, a sports reference. Sorry, um, I'm a big sports guy. And uh, um, I'm, I, I just rewatched the last dance recently mm. um and you you watch the first couple episodes michael jordan is all out playing above the rim right and he is i mean he is like taking every fast break and doing crazy you know highlight reel dunks and then he gets into the 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 that was like the first wave and then he got into that's when he was winning the first three championships and then he and he took his baseball break off and then came back and a whole lot less uh, fanfare about him playing above the rim. He 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 shot a lot of fadeaways. Finesse. Um, yeah, but it was a, but it was just in his maturity, mm. he was able to kind of slow things down. And sure, it was it was a physical age thing, sure. but it's I I'm I'm realizing that um, yeah I'm a I'm an a I'm an apostle prophet, but the older I get and the more into this church plant that I, I get the more I value shepherd teacher and the Amen. more I value the idea of needing to just pick our, you know, pick our times in the game that we move forward, that we press forward, but then also realizing when we need to pull back, you know, yeah. it's, uh, there's, we're there's, not, it's not the, the, the entire game is not always the fourth quarter with two, with two minutes left. That's right. There's like, pace. Yeah. There's an ebb and flow to, to seasons of life and taking all that into consideration. Maybe I'm exhausting myself because I'm an apostle evangelist. I need to slow down and remember that I, um, health is when both apes, apostle, prophets, evangelists, and shepherd teachers, it's when both of them are working together that yeah. it's the building up. The building up of the church happens then. Yeah. When, when we're all in concert, wide, deep, right. Good pace, not conflict between the two sides. Between yeah. the, t- you know, like because because there could naturally be a, a tension between an an ape and a shepherd teacher, if you will, you know. And so there can just be a, a like, man, they're they're going so slow, you know, is what what an apostle prophet evangelist might yeah. say. But when when they understand each other, there's there's harmony because yeah. they're they're not they're not always going to be singing singing. There's another metaphor, I guess, but they're not always going to be singing the same melody because you know because they can't, but you know, cause that's not how they're gifted, but maybe, maybe they're singing in harmony with each other yep. and being able to be on the same. And that's okay. Yeah. And, and we need to allow apostles, prophets, evangelists to be themselves. Yeah. And we need to allow shepherd teachers to be themselves, lean into your gift and remember that just because somebody else is doing something different than you in the kingdom, uh, doesn't doesn't mean, wrong. doesn't mean it's wrong or there being an appendix or something else. <laughs> and it's a building in unity. I think utilizing the, the um, the best leaders among us know how to surround themselves with the people who are not like them, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And so, if I am an apostle teacher, um, and in our in my case, Eric is also an apostle teacher. Mm-hmm. We both know that we can wear each other out, sure. And we can wear and um, Eric is a guy on, on OV staff, by the way, and uh, uh, has done a lot to help with multiply stuff. Was also in the van in India. Yes, um, he'll be on shortly, I'm sure. Um, but we can wear each other out. Where where are the people around us out? But the people that we need around us are the ones that are going to say, "Hey, can we like 
just pause for a second? Can we hang on? Can we just enjoy this victory? You know, and um, and uh, we're learning to do that. I'm learning to do that, like I said. But um, I think it's important to know that, um, again, I'm if I use a video game reference, it's almost certainly going to be referring to NES or N64 um, and maybe early PlayStation 2 because that's kind of where I was back in the day, right? So what I'm about to say when is... When it was appropriate to what, play video games. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say that? Right. <laughs> so here's here's why I say that. Uh, Robbie's putting his stuff down. He's out. <laughs> um, Jesus is the better Mario, right? What do I mean by that? You know, Mario on Mario Kart or any of the other, you know, Mario Tennis, you know, all these competition games that happened um, back in the day. Mario was like a four on everything, right? He was across the board, good, but not great at everything. Whereas Luigi would get a five rating on something, but a three in something else. You know what I'm saying? Did you ever, did you ever play Madden 64? Oh, Oh, yeah. Do you remember, did you know the cheat code Tiburon? Tiburon was the company, and (laughs) the whole team was like eight feet tall (laughs) Goliaths with 100% bar on every skill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're bringing me back. That's another thing, right? The 100 rating on Madden, that was Jesus. Do you guys guys remember the 100 rating? Do you guys remember rainy days in the summertime when you couldn't go outside, so you had to stay home? And play video games. Are you trying I, to justify playing video games? Uh, no, I didn't need to because I, okay. I I had I had a life and I played sports. No, I'm just kidding. I, I wow. love video games are cool. <laughs> wow. uh, but but we, I remember playing video games and um, and that that's it was it was a lot of a lot of 64. Um, it's actually a, a fun pastime of my wife and I. We still play 64 to this day. <laughs> Our girls are learning how to play uh, 007 Goldeneye. Oh, like wow. it is. That's Such good classic, father, fathering you know? right there. Yeah. Yeah. So and, uh, NBA and we, Jam, please. You yes. Got, you got to turn them on the NBA Jam. But like, I just remember playing those. And it, it was like, I mean, we lived, we grew up in Pennsylvania, so it rained all the time. And so like, it was usually once a week we would get like a day or at least half a day to play mm. any of, and a lot of times it was Little League World Series. Super Tech Mobile. Super Tech Mobile. Uh, Shout out to Bo Jackson. That's right. The best. Lawrence <laughs> uh, Taylor. <laughs> it was just a lot, of, a lot of fun games. And yeah, they, uh, but Jesus was certainly all around just the best at everything. So in this case, as we're talking about, right, he was mm-hmm. the best apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher there ever was. Yep. And in our gifting, we are certainly lesser than in, in multiple varying degrees, right? Amen. Uh, however... Um, we are going to be, we're going to be maybe really strong in an area. Maybe you are, maybe, you know, I am a very strong apostle and I'm learning to be a better teacher. Um, I, I think it's important and I've just come across this recently. This is really fresh. So, um, we'll see how this goes. But, um, when you are younger in your faith and especially in your leadership in, uh, a ministry, um, over whether it's the church as an organization, uh, if you're a church planter, or whether it's you know in Kidman, or whether it's in a small group, whatever the case may be. When you are younger in your your leadership, um, you are really encouraged to operate in your gifting, like get really good at what you're really good at. And I think I really think that is important mm-hmm. when you're younger and you're mm-hmm. in your gifting. Yeah, focus on your strengths, focus not your on weaknesses your strengths, necessarily. Right? But as you get older, um it's not that doesn't get boring. Like operating in your gifting is still really important and I and I I really believe that. However, 
if we're supposed to become more and more like Jesus as we grow, um, then maybe we're also supposed to get better at the things we're not so good at. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, I think that's what the point of Ephesians 4 is. Yeah. These leaders who are gifted in these areas are, are, are gifted there, just like God called Abraham in Genesis 12 to be a blessing to others. He said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, to be a blessing to others. Thus, Paul says to the leaders in, in Ephesus, hey, God has blessed you with these gifts so that you will bless others and equip the church to identify their gifts and, and their calling to be able to go bless others as well. Absolutely. Lots, and, of, lots of generational blessing happening. And you don't, get, you don't get out of operating. Like we, all have, like, we all have these five gifts, right? The apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. We, all, we have all five of them. It's a matter of how, you know, how much we have that are, that are, mm. that are the strengths versus the, you know, like the weaknesses. We, like, especially as, as pastors, we, you have to be a shepherd. Whether you're good at it or not, it doesn't really matter. You have to do it, right? And so yeah. I think that we, we definitely want to tell young pe- younger people in the faith, like, operate in your gifting, in, in your strength of your gifting. And then once you've honed in that, that piece of it, now you can try to, to work on your weaknesses because you have a strength to fall back on. Whereas if you're starting to all, you know, if you're like, if you're not, if you're not a good shepherd, then you need to be a better shepherd, be a better shepherd. Then you're just exhausted. You don't know where, you don't know where to, to, to land back in, you know, to, to press into a, a, a strength, if you will. Yeah. And for me, I know that, like I said, I pressed forward really hard, um, in my early years, um, leading Ocean View Church. Um, and now I'm learning that in order to replicate or duplicate or reproduce what we've done at OV, I actually have to get better at writing everything down <laughs> now. You know, it's not no longer making decisions by the seat of my pants. It's now like um, make a decision and then explain the why and write it down, mm. you know, and that's become a processing thing that I've had to work through. Yeah. Um, to pass it down. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, so, so, that it's, so that it's sustainable, yeah. so that it can be generational, right, it, right. beyond just our, our, um, our role or job as young leaders. Yeah, and... Caleb mentioned something that can't be overlooked. We're all called to live out these gifts or um, these these duties, if you will, of a believer. Um, Ephesians 4 is highlighting that you're stronger in some of these than others. Not that it exonerates you from being able to live them out. And so we're all called to know the word of God and rightly apply it or teach it. But some of us have been given a greater ability or skill or gift to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, all, we're all called to speak the truth and love and listen to God, but prophets have been given that extra gift. We're all called to evangelize, but some of us lead out and, and are, are better gifted at, at doing that. We're all called to guard the truth. We're all called to go. We're all called to make disciples. Um, but like you said, Jesus did all these perfectly. Uh, and just because we're, we're lacking in one of those areas doesn't mean that we shouldn't focus on those yeah. and, and try to try to work on those. I think like you, I think your analogy too is really helpful that when you were younger, I think it's probably helpful that as you're maturing, 
at first you start focusing and honing in on the gifts that are really strong or, or just natural to you, get those down. And then once, once you've practiced those for a while, um, or in, in tandem, but learn those and then you can start honing in and seeking out, Hey, how do I better myself in these areas? Yeah. So remember all this is to build up the body until we attain the unity of the faith, right? Mm-hmm. And unity along the journey of, uh, in the body of Christ. And so let me, uh, let me attempt this cause I think it, it will be helpful. <laughs> so the apostle has the machete and is carving the way into the path unknown, right? And is heading forward. The prophet's like, yes, this is right. This is good. This is where we're supposed to go. The evangelist is like, all right, everybody, let's go. We got to tell everybody to come with us. And yeah. the, the shepherd is like, man, all right, are you guys good? Everybody okay? Are you cared for? Did you pack the how's PBJs? Your yeah. <laughs> how's your How's you your have enough water? Yeah. Yep. Is the machete sharp? Are you okay? Is your hand okay? So, All right. Um, let me care for that wound real quick. Where's the first aid kit? Right. That's and good. then um, why are then, we making why are we making fun of, fun of the shepherd? Right. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> <Yeah, well, laughs> they're very for. detailed. They're very, they're, they're they're very detailed in their it care. Just shows. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then the teacher. And then the teacher is like, Hey guys, remember why we're doing this? We're doing this because. The Lord has called us on this path, right? And yep. here's how he's called us. Here's why he's called us. And Before we go, let's open do. our Bibles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let's pray. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so that's our apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Um, so each of you that's, that's listening today, you can go and take the APEST quick test. Um, if you don't see yourself as a leader, um, you could go see what your leader tendencies might be. Once yeah. again, these are not foolproof. This is just a helpful tool to use. Um even if you don't consider yourself a leader in the church, it might be good to look into what it might look like for you to be a leader. So you can go to the podcast page and click on the APEST link that will be up there. And um, and then, my goodness, pray. <laughs> pray and say, Lord, where am I in this? Where do, where do I fit in this? Where are you calling me to, uh, to potentially lead? And uh, campaign season right now um, is a great time for that. Um, as we plug in people into kind of temporary leadership roles to make this campaign go for Multiply. Um, that's not a lot of heavy lifting, um, but it's at least something to begin to practice these things out and practice it again within the body, uh, whether yep. OV, Grace Collective, Little Creek, uh, whatever. Yeah. Taking the assessment and then keeping in mind things that matter, things that don't, things that distract and get our attention that shouldn't and, and, and setting our minds on things above as we recap. I think understanding our gifting and then understanding within conversation how I can apply that gifting in my different relationships is really helpful and can transform conversations and lives. Yeah, that's good. Um, I want to kind of begin to land the plane here with this uh, conversation about uh, what we've been talking about more specifically in First Corinthians, the spiritual gifts. And I don't want to, I don't want to belabor each gift. I just want to show um, what I think is a helpful paradigm in thinking through this. And, um, and then Caleb, uh, you've got some really cool insight on this that I want, uh, I want people to hear. So um, if we were to go through but first of all, once again, there is no exhaustive list anywhere in Scripture. Uh, we put together Scriptures from Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4 are the primarily primary passages that we look at that these gifts are to build up, to bless the body so that we might bless the nations with the hope of the gospel. And so if you're looking at the spiritual gifts and the list that you'll see in the different passages of Scripture, um, you're going to see three categories of gifting typically. Um, and all, all of these, once again, if 
if a if a if something builds up the body, it's probably rooted in some sort of gift that God has graced the church with through people. Right? So speaking, serving, and signing. These are the three categories of gifting, speaking, serving, and signing. So if you look at the speaking gifts, we have prophecy, knowledge, wisdom, teaching, and exhortation. All right? So we've talked a little bit about prophecy, and it's not... It's not um, foretelling. It's more like forthtelling. This is the truth of God. Um, speaking knowledge is uh, a lot of that teaching gift as well, like bringing to bear the knowledge of God um, and uh, the knowledge of the gospel and knowledge of the word. Wisdom is is applied uh, knowledge and experience together. Some people just have that gift of wisdom. You know those people, right? That you talk to and you're like, man, that person is wise. I want to hang out with them. Teaching, we've talked about at length, um, the ability to explain um, the and right, rightly divide the word of truth exhortation is more of that calling out, like, um, I'm going to speak into you and call something out of you. Um, Caleb has that gift It's um, calling well. out to believers. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And so um, what about these speaking gifts stands out to you guys um, as it relates to our churches and as it relates to the church in general? Um, how important are these speaking gifts, not in a scale, but like... Um, I think the What's first, important here? I think the first thing that that comes to me comes out is it's all rooted in the word. Yeah. Like all of these speaking gifts are not what's in in your talented little brain, but it's what is in the word of God that you can then bring to bear in others. That's I think that's really important because if you're exhorting somebody based on your opinion. Your opinion or what you want to see happen, then you are you're only making disciples of you, not necessarily right. multiplying the gospel and disciples of Jesus, it's, right? That it's, is huge. It's a dictator role. Yeah. Yes, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James 1, 19. Yeah. So the, the reason I, you got two ears and one mouth, right? <laughs> That's right, Dad. <laughs> uh, I, but you're right, man. That The speaking gift, like the, the gospel was given as a message, Right, a word, yes. a, a a revelation, a revelation, something that is to be professed. Right, mm-hmm. uh, you're professing it um, as your as your saving faith. You speak it and teach it, teach others to obey. Uh, it's rooted in the Great Commission call. Right, so there's um, the importance of prophetically um, bringing to to light the the gospel and its implications is. Is first and foremost. I mean, Paul said it himself, right? Uh, that the gospel is of first importance. This is the things that are of first importance that we must be about. That the that Christ died according to the scriptures. He was raised again according to the scriptures, and he appeared to these people, um, and uh, and he he lives today as the risen Lord. Um, so that speaking, the speaking gifts are incredibly important. The rest of First Corinthians fourteen would would support that to say that prophecy is the 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 biggest gift, the main thing that needs to be focused on within the church, the teaching of, the explaining of, the declaring of the truth of God. The serving gifts, we have leadership, helps, giving, mercy, faith, and discernment. All right? So leadership, we talked a lot about. Um, There are those that are just gifted at the ability to lead. Um, I've given an example before in my life of uh, I tried to observe 
my kids playing soccer one year uh, didn't go so well because I ended up being a coach on the sidelines. And the next year I became the assistant coach. And the next year I was going to be the head coach, but then COVID came and knocked it all out of the system. But some people just have to lead wherever they are. And you might say, well, why are you taking on something else? For me, it's not something else. It's just, I just love being a part of the leadership team in whatever way. And a team, too. I don't need to be the guy in charge, but I just love to be a part of a team. Mm-hmm. I work for a, a group called Times 12 that does a lot of coaching and, and uh, mentoring of church planters and raising up church planters. I'm not the guy in charge there. I serve on a team there, and I love that. Um, I just love to be a part of leadership. Um, helps is just that, like, people that just love to, well, help <laughs> others, you know, and uh, chip in and just, um, man, they look like they're suffering. They could really use um, a hand up. I want to help with that. Mm-hmm. Giving generosity is, is is in there as well. Just the gift of generosity um, is something that, well, the church needs, right? And we need to people to show and live and give generously to model it to others. Um, mercy, the gift of mercy um, is so important to the church because these are the people that just have so much compassion um, for the hurting. So much compassion, compassion for those who are, are down and out. Um, faith, the gift of faith is uh, not saving faith. It's the gift to say, um, hey, we're going to do this. The Lord's called us to this, and we're going to trust Him. And they just have this high trust in the Lord. Um, not that they have a... Um, they don't even have to have necessarily a better relationship with the Lord, but that there's just this abandon, this reckless abandonment towards, I'm going to trust God in this, and we're going to go for it, right? Yeah. Um, we need those people, and we need people that have the gift of discernment to say, yeah, I love your gift of faith. However, um, <laughs> what I'm seeing is uh, something a little that we need to maybe uh, maybe sit back and wait on a little bit. And uh, I'm seeing, you know, just some people have that gift to just speak. My wife has this gift of discernment to just... Uh, see something, um, and, and with experience and wisdom, just be able to say, ah, maybe, maybe not yet. Or, um, Hey, you need to move on that or it's going to be gone and Mm -hmm. you need to get going on that. Right. That Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So what about the serving gifts stand out to you guys? Under leadership, we could put a pest. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's nested. It all works together. It's true. It's not linear. The it's, we're one body. Um, but as far as, um, the people with faith, I think, I think of the man in, in the gospels, you guys can help me with the passage where he says, father or Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm -hmm. Um, so now that's not necessarily, um, I don't know how you parse that one out in the scripture as far as, is he a believer in that moment or not yet? And does he have the gift of faith? I just, I just heard that verse, um, play there. And, um, I think, I think what you said in your example, as far as faith and discernment, somebody who has a, somebody who has a lot of faith and somebody who has a lot of discernment, if the faith person is saying, Hey, let's jump off this cliff. And the person with discernment is like, Hey, hold on, let's grab some parachutes first. Um, (laughs) there, there might be tension in the body there. But that's good, and that's okay. And what I see the church do in the scriptures is, is when they're at these cro- crossroads, they pray, and they listen to God, and God gives the faith, yeah, and he gives that's the discernment good. and the wisdom to move forward in the right direction. With all these, I see action. You know, like activity uh, within the body. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's good. Our action, right? It's like if if the speaking gifts were all centered on the word or grounded in the word, 
the serving gifts are all centered on, on God's people moving and doing something. Yeah, that's good. Signing. Well, this is the fun one, right? The signing gifts. Um, healings, languages, interpretations, and miracles. Uh, we've talked a little bit about this on our, our Sunday mornings, just about how uh, in the West we just don't see a lot of this. And uh, we could probably spend a whole podcast talking about this, but um, we don't really have the time to do that today. So I think it's just worth mentioning here that the gift of healings is literally um, God gives in a moment in time a gift of healing someone. It is not necessarily true that you get to now wield the sword of healing on everybody else mm-hmm. too, because that happened one time. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, I believe it says healings, plural, because there are multiple things that need to be healed. And in a moment, God gives that gift to heal whatever that ailment is in that yeah. moment. And it's, it's, it's a power between the powers and principalities, right? It's not flesh and blood. And the, in Mark 3, when Jesus calls the disciples out and he appoints them as apostles, he says, I called you out to be with me. I called you out so that I can send you out to proclaim the gospel and I'm giving you authority. I'm releasing my authority to you so that you can heal all sickness and disease and you can cast out demons or evil spirits. And so within these, it's a, it's a, it's a spiritual healing. And if God so sees fit through his power, not ours, not the person holding the gift, right? It's, it's God's power, not ours. Um, that's doing the healing. Then he can make that healing a physical healing or, it's a it's a casting out of a uh, of a evil spirit. Yeah, or I think even beyond that, um, would you say that it's also the common grace of yeah medicine? Absolutely, <laughs> that's you know? good. Um, Absolutely, I'm, we're not handling snakes over here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's something. I mean, that's something that I'm I'm wrestling with with a guy right now of just like should he you know asking for wisdom on on should I be um on medicine or not for a, a problem and, and the, you know, yeah. been able to kind of point to common grace. Like, yeah, I mean the, <laughs> it praise be to God that he's given a, a, a tool and an avenue for us to have a chemical Im- imbalance become balanced again, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so being able to celebrate the Lord in that, you know, that yeah. is, a, that is a, a healing that, I think we're afraid of because for those for those of us who struggle maybe with a with a mental imbalance or chemical imbalance in the brain like just yeah it's just a because you feel like you're you're being inauthentic to yourself if you take the medicine but if you do take the medicine then you feel like you're normal but then are you really normal you know there's a lot of stuff weighing in on that so that's a but I do believe that the Lord is is in that is in that yeah languages um, this is tongues as it were. and I believe that there was a there was a time where the Lord gave in the first part of um, uh, the first part of Acts gave the gift of tongues so that people could hear that came from all nations um, the word of God on display mm. in the um, in in the uh, the first church being born. Um, however, I would say that that gift is not necessarily dead. 
Um, I'm more of a continuationist on this, where um, I have seen uh, people pray in tongues and there be an interpreter and it work well. I've also seen it done really, really badly. Um, I've I've heard of and seen others that have prayed in uh, a prayer language um, as well uh, that is just between them and God. So, go ahead. I don't think that those are the same thing that we're talking about because here the spiritual gifts are given to build up the body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not just the individual. Mm-hmm. I don't believe, though, that that negates the possibility that God might have a relationship with an individual to, you know, in Romans, to um, utter things that uh, cannot be spoken in human mm-hmm. language mm-hmm. by the Spirit, right? So, yeah. And um, the, ones that, the ones that practice... Um, wrongly, you're saying shut about a Honda, but the Honda, Honda, right? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, something like that. Okay, uh, the interpretation of that is um, gotta get a Kia. Less, to <laughs> less. <laughs> oh, you guys are wrong. Um, interpretations uh, is another piece of this uh, that I think is important, especially uh, related to languages and healings and even miracles. Um, Kawasaki Taki. Know, uh, know what is going on uh, within the body and explain what's happening. If it's just gibberish like these guys are talking right now um, and not interpreted in the body, um, all we can do is say, yeah. I don't know if that's really from the Lord then. Right. You know? So if you're if you're there on a Sunday morning at, at one of the services and somebody speaks up and, and starts speaking in some tongue, um, God promises there's going to be an interpreter there. And so we would stop the service and say, hey, is someone here to interpret this? Mm-hmm. And if there is, then uh, great. I haven't experienced that in my life, so I don't know what that looks like or is like, but I, I know people who have. And um, I trust the Lord in those situations. Yeah. Well, in First Corinthians fourteen, he also says that there's going to be there's going to be order in the service, yes, and not chaos. And yes. so that that tongue would be done in an orderly way, not not in a way that that is glorifying a person. But right. if it if it is glorifying the Lord with an interpreter present to mm. be able to interpret what's being said, it, it's it would really be done helpful in an orderly way. Yeah, that having that context is really helpful. Yeah. And the last one is similar to the first and the signing gifts of miracles and healings, I think are, are kind of coupled together. In fact, they are coupled together in First um, Corinthians 12 um, with an with a and there. Um, so uh, I think it's very much the same. If it's a miracle, um, then it's, it's, a, it's a sign from the Lord, but you don't necessarily have the gift of miracles. Right, um, that's not a thing. That's like Bruce Almighty, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So one of the ways that we're using this podcast is to point to and explain the and teach tools for disciple making that'll be helpful for you, um, the listener. This week's assignment, after learning about the um, the heart of God, multiplying the heart of God, the leader gifts, the spiritual gifts. Um, Go to multiplythechurch.com, click on the podcast page on episode three, and you will see links at the bottom to spiritual gifts test, to the APEST test that we referred to as well. Um, Don't get tripped up on some of the language used at giftstest.com, which is where we typically use this. It just gives the best visual explanation afterwards, but they use weird words sometimes in there that um, uh, just just get past it and uh, take the test um, because they'll ask questions like, when uh, when I'm around, miracles often happen around me. Um, and it's like, I don't know how to answer that question. Um, yeah, let's mir- not yeah. throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's helpful, <laughs> yeah. but 
yeah, we don't have to get caught up on those things right and, now. And like and on that note, get someone else to take it with you yeah, that's good. and have a discussion about your gifts and how it can serve the church. Because as I stated at the beginning of this, you are gifted. You are gifted in some kind of way. Don't let anyone tell you anything differently. So remember that all these resources, including the podcast, are designed to help you multiply disciples. So let's uh, let's round up this with some resources. Um, let's first uh, begin with uh, Pastor Caleb. Thank you for being with us today. What resources, uh, either regarding this or just maybe some other things that you want to throw in the pot for us? Yeah, um, so I, I have a coach um, in, through, my, through the uh, uh, church planning network that we're a part of, and uh, and he, he gave me a resource to to look at myself, and I looked at it, and I was like, man, our, our, I think our small group could really could really learn from this. And so we started doing this study. It's called um, "What Are You For?" by Jeff Henderson, and um, it's really it really frames Je- Jeff Henderson is a he's an author, he's a pastor, he is a like a um, a leadership honestly just a, a a leadership guy. He worked with uh, Chick Fil A and you know, all the different big. North Point, uh, North Point, North Point, Point Ministries, Point. yeah, all that stuff. And uh, but he's just a, a solid guy who um, uh, he kind of goes through like figuring out what you're for within you know kind of your community within your home and like just setting a framework of like it's not it's not a it's not a self help positivity. It's an awesome tool to just kind of helps you shake up the way you're thinking right right now. If you I've, I was in kind of a a bit of a rut, if you will, um, of just being perpetually frustrated and uh this book has helped kind of shake up some of that and allowed me to to see past the frustration and into what what can i do to to switch it up yeah that's good how about you john what you got for resource for us today yeah i think a a good one is memorizing a verse on discipline um first timothy four seven james one two through four ephesians four eleven and twelve and like you said take the gifts assessments in community, have someone over and go over your findings and have a good discussion on that. Yeah. So again, yeah, the tests are good, but being in community, work it out together, older, teach the younger, speak into one another's lives. I would add just um, a book by Sam Storms called Understanding Spiritual Gifts, I think is um, is helpful as well. Well, uh, before we go, Caleb, what's one big thing you would want people at the other Multiply family churches to know about Little Creek Church. To know about Little Creek Church. Um, man, I would say just, just know that we, we take comfort in being a part of something bigger. We actually, we actually tell... We, we make that claim every Sunday that we're together that that we're a part of a greater body like a, a, of this these multiply churches and and there are there are moments um, I would say fairly regularly that we that we we pray as a as a church we pray for the other churches within the multiply collective mm-hmm. and um, and um, that's a there's a powerful thing in that you know of just again there's that that unity hmm. in, in our diversity as as churches um, and yeah. as people so as boxers have training camps um, and they get their people around them 
during that training camp and they go in and they work out together. Um, that is, that is what we're doing. We're all fighting different battles on different fronts, but we're all in the same camp, uh, training, um, helping each other and, uh, build up the body. Yeah. So Caleb, how can we pray for you and little Creek? Um, I would say pray for us as we, as we grow past birthing, you know, kind of the, the infancy stage of our, of our church and into kind of, you know, learning how to walk, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we were, we were babies and now we're getting to be a toddler and just kind of learning what are, what are the growing pains of that? What is that, you know, what are ways that we need to press forward? What are ways that we need to, to hold back? And, uh, yeah, just, um, taking on new ministry opportunities and, um, yeah, all those kinds of one of your, your youngest, was born right before you planted the church, right? Second youngest. Second, yeah, yeah. So uh, just be thinking about that as yeah. the age of your church, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, she's four, um, almost four years old. and Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's, yeah, it's important. And the last one came along like right before you went public with it, right? Right. So <laughs> right. Uh, that's Amen. Good, man. Well, should we pray? Yeah, go ahead. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together and just learning from your word. Uh, and just continually sharpening and training ourselves uh, in righteousness that we may be more made more into your image. Uh, Jesus, we love you. Um, we thank you for all the all the communities of faith that we have that sharpen us as well. Thank you for Little Creek, and um, Lord, give them the wisdom and the vision and leadership and direction and the the uh, gifts of uh, just speaking truth into one another and the gifts of serving one another and the gifts of signs that help us know, um, Father, where, where to go, what to do. And um, we ask that you would just continue to bolster them, give them strength, um, guard them from trial and, and persecution if you see fit. But Lord, um, help them count it all joy uh, that when persecution comes that you're there and you're going to see them through. Uh, Lord, thank you for Caleb and just his faithfulness and his family um, and leading them and then leading his, his broader community. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, as you know, it's uh, getting into lawn mowing season, so we've got a little longer episode for you today while you mow that grass and, uh, and cut that stuff down. Um, but for now, it's time to close up the podcast. I hope you're beginning to see, though, that the doors are wide open here with the Multiply family. Next time, check it out. Next time. We're going to be covering a very hot topic in the global church, sparked by a recent documentary, Hillsong Church Exposed, and prior to that, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Unfortunately, there is no shortage of these kind of stories recently and even throughout church history, but what do we think about it? How are we to respond to these things? All that is coming your way next time on Behind Open Doors, but for now, commit your life to things that matter. Remember the authority over your life. Multiply the heart of God in that and multiply yourself by knowing your gifts and allowing others to step into theirs for the building up of unity in the body. You've been listening to the Behind Open Doors podcast where we take you behind the scenes, discovering what it takes to multiply disciples, leaders, and new churches. Let the word dwell richly in you and may God multiply your efforts for the kingdom.